Numbers chapter 13. I was reading this this morning and I thought, I'll maybe bring it another week. But remember, we're looking at small things in the hands of a big God. Small things in the hands of a big God. And our basis came from Zechariah 4 and verse 10, where the Lord asked the question, For who hath despised the day of small things? And again, the word despise is the word booze. It means to hold contemptible or in contempt, to hold as insignificant. And we've looked week after week of how you and yourself might feel at times insignificant, whether that's in your mental capacity, physical capacity, or your spiritual capacity. And you might feel that others are greater or better than you. Now, I want to let you know that we're all sinners. Saved by the grace of God. All have come short of the glory of God. No man in God's eyes is better than any other. Some may manifest their sin and their wickedness more than others. But all of us needed a saviour. Every single one of us were sinners. And it took Christ to come to die for us. But when we're saved. And when you're a child of God it's easy to feel Left to the side, forgotten about. You know, it's easy to feel that you're belittled or you feel like nothing small. And the Lord has said every week in the scripture, this is how we just kept bringing this out. And the more we study, the more we see. And even this week, someone contacted me and listened online and says that they thank the Lord that we kept this series going because they really needed it. And it was on, I think it was... Forgetting the days, Thursday, I think it was, or Friday, I'd asked David to repost it. There was a bit of a technical fault with it. And David did that, and there was a woman who got it at that place, point in time when we reposted it. So it shows you even in those things, God knows what he's doing. And someone was really helped and blessed. They're not from here, they're from somewhere else. So the idea is that no matter how you think about yourself, or no matter how others think about you, or what you feel others think, no matter how you think before God, whether you feel, well, you know, why would God want me? Sure, I'm just Joe Bloggs, or, you know, I'm just a, an old age pensioner, I'm just a young person, or I'm just someone with, with no job and I can't get any employment, or, or whatever it may be. I haven't got great energy or strength or health. No matter what it is, even this morning as we've heard already, the Lord loves you. And it's not when we look at ourselves that we need to get the picture off. Yes, in reverence we come before God and we know we can do nothing without him. We know that without his grace in our lives that we would be failures. We know without his blood to cleanse us we would be sinners. And we know that when we, without the Lord Jesus Christ or apart from him we are weak and well we're not up to much when we're in our flesh. We know that. But we know that because we are born of God, bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ. We, you and I who are saved, born again, we are sons and daughters of the living God. You and I have been born unto a great inheritance in Christ. In other words, there's so much more for you and I to receive and to enter into. And God is not finished with you yet. God is not finished with you yet. No matter how old you think you are. Listen, a thousand years in his sight is as one day. And a day is a thousand years. So even if you were 100 years of age, you haven't even got past really the first hour yet. Think about it. Walking with him, it doesn't matter 
how old you are, how young you are. God is doing great things in your life. He's already ahead of you, in front of you, and he's already calling you into that place where he wants you to be. It's not that you're trying to fight your way every day and search through the very the, the woodlands of, of life and you can't get through and you can't get breakthrough. Almighty God has already got a plan for your life. You're just walking into it. That's all you are. He's sovereign over everything. And you and I, every day when we get up, every day when we get ready and get out and do our own daily duties and business, we are traveling the road of life and God has a plan and a purpose for you and you're just walking toward it. It's like you came to church this morning. You get up and you get ready. You had your effort to make. You had your bit to do. You could have said, what a good day. Let's head to the beach. Maybe some have done that, but let's head to the beach. Or let's go to the forest park or do whatever. But this morning, the effort you made is that you came to this house and every step you took, every time you turned the bend, every time you came up the street, you got closer to the destination. Such is your life and Christ is already there. God, your Father, is waiting and he says, come. The calling has come, not push. Remember this, cattle are driven, but sheep are led. Cattle are driven, but sheep are led. And here's the city slicker talking to the country folk. (laughs) Let's read the scriptures. Let's read Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. So the idea is that no matter how small you think, you feel... No matter how small you feel your faith is, no matter how small you, 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 you determine yourself to be, no matter how weak and contemptible and despised you may be by others, remember this as a child of God, God loves you. God loves you. Numbers chapter 13. Now we'll skip over some of this for time's sake. Let's let your eye run down please to... For time's sake, to verse 21. Remember, there are 12 spies sent out to search the promised land. Israel are 40 years. Notice, they are 40 years in the wilderness. 40 is the number of testing and trial. 40 years walking around. But it's 40 years of trusting whether God will make provision or not. Forty years of being tried whether they'll trust in the Lord or not. Forty years. So the number 40 is very important. They have come to a crossroads in their experience and a crossroads in their life. And they send out 12 spies to espy out the land to see what the land's like that God said they would inherit. You and I are a bit like that, aren't we? We try and espy what God has in store for us and we think that we could guess what kingdom's like, what heaven's like. We can read golden streets and pearly gates. And really that's not like that at all. But that's for you and I to get uh, the most glorious picture that you and I could ever think of. But the scriptures tells us that I has not seen nor ear heard. The th- neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. So the, the thing that you think that God could do for you. The thing, the blessing, the inheritance that you can think in your mind that God has for you, no matter who you are. In Christ, no matter who you are, saved that is. 
No matter what you're feeling or thinking is that we're traveling to this kingdom. For many Christians, they try to, uh, to sell out the Lord. They try to sell out their inheritance like Esau for a mess of pottage or for a, a bowl of lentil soup. Give me the now and I will lose reward in the then. That's what many Christians are doing. They're desiring their hearts, the love of their heart is called out for the things of the now, the things of the world. You know, everything has to be instant, instant tea, instant coffee, instant burgers. Everything's instant. Everything is quick. Everything has to be uh, motivated uh, by, by flashing instruments and quick firing games. And everything must be like that. And that's the time we're living in. And now it's either, Lord, give me right here and now, or I'm going to take the things of the world. I want you to know something. You have everything now. Like the elder brother, the, 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 the father said when the prodigal went away and came back again. He says, all these years have I been here? He says, and look, look what you do for him. You kill the calf. You put shoes on his feet. A ring in his finger. A cloak upon his back. And now you're in there dancing and making music. By the way, it does say that in the New Testament. They were dancing and making music. And the Lord Jesus said that, by the way. And look at me. You know what the father says? But son, you've been here all this time, but all that I have is that it's already yours. And it's up to you and I to learn to walk in it, to believe it, and to receive it. To trust in it. Not to look at the things of the world for the... the, 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 the the, the satisfying of the lust of the flesh and the things that are so quick firing to us that you and I need to start to look at the things that God has for us now who's bringing us down the road to the then that we will enter into things that our minds can't comprehend our, our eyes have never seen to glorious wonders that we just can't, we just can't believe possible and then wait up with what there is in the world and wait up to what there is in the kingdom to the best of our abilities and see which is the greater for you. We look for great positions and higher paid jobs and nothing wrong with that in life. But listen, we chase things like that and we think must do better, nicer house, nicer car, nicer blah. Nothing wrong with it. But listen, if we were to do that and apply that same mentality for the kingdom of God, for the place of power and authority, sitting as a son, an overcomer, a child of God. You and I would serve him with more fervency and vigor and would cause us to be sanctified and separated from the world. Understanding, getting our priority right. Hear 12% out. Go and spy the land. See what it's like. God says it's great. There's great blessing, great promises. And any one of us would want to know what it's like. And when they get there, there's grapes that they have to hang it between these men. A great big branch and the grapes are like, someone, one commentator says, like a size of your fist. And there's figs there and they bring it all home again. Look at the blessing of it. Now let's read verse 21. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron where... Ahiman and Shishai and Talmai, the children of Anak were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eshcol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they buried between two upon a staff. 
and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs, and the place was called the brook Eschol, Eschol, because of the cluster of grapes, which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. Notice here's 40 again. They tested, they tried the land. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Notice this. They come and they say, See that land? It's way beyond our expectations Truly God was true to his word. He said it flows with milk and honey. It's a land of plentiful. And here is the proof. People's spirits are rising 40 years in the wilderness. Not knowing where to go next. Not knowing where to attend. Here's the fruit of it. God does that sometimes, you know, with our spiritual hearts. That we don't know at times there's people and they don't know they're not getting fed and they're in a wilderness spiritually and they go from church to church to church and then the Lord says, here is the fruit of it. Here is where we enter in. Here's where we press in. And they decide to go back to the wilderness a bit and say, I'm not sure. Or the Lord tells you one thing and he says, I want to bring you closer to me that you will see the fruit of my spirit. That you will see the fruit of my kingdom. You will see the fruit that I have. And the blessings in it. And the Lord starts to move. And even sign and wonder. Starts doing healing miracles. And people see it and go. Wow it's not great. But let's step back for a minute. Just to make sure it's right. Your promised land. Let me step back a minute. Just to think about that. The people are all with great anticipation. Here comes the great big bucket of water. Here comes the great big bucket of water. Verse 28, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and the coast of Jordan. They say, everybody that, that you can name and number who's been our enemies are still there. And there's walled cities. In fact, someone said it was walled up to heaven. See, that's how they've seen it. Themselves minute and small, unworthy. And they see themselves like this. They come back and they're forgetting who their God is. They're forgetting who their God is. Think of the things in the wilderness that God had done for them. The opening of the Red Sea. The crossing across on dry ground. The opening up of the River Jordan. We talked about that. The the rod that was in Moses' hand. The Lord says, what is in thine hand? And he touches the ground and it becomes lice with the rod. And he lifts the rod up to heaven and hail comes. And he holds it over the sea and the sea opens. And it becomes known from the rod of Moses to the rod of God. Because it was small and God took the small things in his hands and made it great. Here were small things. And they're saying, we're too small. We're not capable. We are unable. But they're forgetting who their God was. They're forgetting who their God was. Notice what they say. And this seems to be a bit of a shocker here. First of all, we have what I've... I jot this down in the flyleaf of my Bible this morning about 8 o'clock. First of all, we have the excellent reply. 
We have the evil report and we have their exaggerated response. The excellent reply, the evil report and the exaggerated response. Here is the excellent reply. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. You know what Caleb says? Caleb says, sorry, Caleb says, about these giants? What about these great cities? What about these massive walls? The Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and all those sort of people. Well, what about them? The children of Anak. Who cares about them, he says. You know why he didn't care? Because Caleb knew his God. And those people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. He says, now you might be afraid of all those things, but I want to let you know something. He says, my God says he has given me this inheritance. My God says he has promised us this land. Our God has placed his name in it and said it's a gift for us that we are to walk forward, trust in him, and he will bring the victory. That's the idea he says here. And Caleb's shouting among them all, hold on a minute, let me just talk for a second. That's me paraphrasing, obviously. Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able. Not there's a good chance. Not there's a little hope. Not that there will maybe be will or maybe we won't. Or there's a 50-50 in this, boys, but sure, it's worth a try. He says, hold on a minute. Our God says he's given it to us. We're well able. When someone once says, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Remember when we dedicated Stephen and Roos, we boy Caleb, and I preached on around this. And when you're looking at a wee baby and you're lifting them up before God and you're saying, like many other the babies we've dedicated, Lord, take this child and do something with this child. May have great fight. Because greatest is God. And do you know when you're conscious of the Lord, David said, For by thee have I run through a troop. And by my God, not by David, by my God have I leaped over a wall. That's what David said. And when you're close to the Lord, conscious of him, knowing who you are in Christ, with your great inheritance, you can say, Hold on a wee minute. When heaven comes to earth, Christ will set up his kingdom. But he's put me here to be an ambassador. And I intend to go and be an ambassador for Christ. Trusting in the power of God. That the kingdom of heaven will come to earth. Through you. And me. And Christ will come. And make it perfect. The excellent reply was we are well able, not just a little able. Notice this. In Proverbs 18 and verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Notice, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it 
shall eat the fruit thereof. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Do you know when your tongue, when you speak, you have the power to encourage. You have the power to bless. You have the power to help lift someone up. You have the power to speak healing scriptures over people. In your tongue there's death or there's life. Or you have the power to pull someone down or power to uh, have others think wrongly of someone and it brings death. Do you know whenever you're coming in and you feel someone comes up to you one day and says, Oh, you feel okay today? You look a bit pale. Hey, maybe you felt great. You see, once they say that, you start feeling sick. You look in the mirror and you go, oh, I remember I am. It's not true. You look and you go, I am a bit pale. I'm a bit pale. Maybe I'm not well. Death in the part of the top. And they that love it will eat that fruit. The power of the tongue of Caleb is, we should go up at once and possess it. We are well able and we're overcomers. Notice, overcoming. Overcome your fear. Overcome all things that are against you. Overcome the enemy. Overcome even your expectations and do greater in God. For God is in you and with you. And Caleb says, we are overcomers. He didn't say that we're going to be. He says, we already are. So let's show them who's boss. Let's show the devil who is boss. Let's read on down just for a moment. Look at verse 31. Here we have the evil report's already been given. But here is part of the evil report from verse 31 on down. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. So now they start feeling small again. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone and searched is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And where we saw giants, the sons of Anak, which come from the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. Now, notice what happens here. We saw this, and we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Now, they felt like that. And so were we in their sight. Now, unless they have talked to them, and surely if they did talk to them, they would have been slain if they had talked to them. So really they must have been thinking, what do they think of us if they see us? Look at them, we grasshoppers. Who are they? They're despised, they're small, they're nothing. And they start to feel so small and insignificant, they say, and we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. Notice, the battle was fought, the battle was won, or the battle was lost, in this case, in this case in their mind. And as soon as you start to let the battle of the mind win, as soon as you start letting the evil report in that battle win over you, you become small, despised, insignificant. You become as though you're a grasshopper in the sight of other people. And when you walk up, that's why some people, and they walk with their head down, they're afraid to look up to people, or they don't want to look at people, because they feel insignificant, they feel small, they feel worthless. But God says, I love you. And even if you were to take the whole world, remember, in the palm of your hand, and bring the whole of planet Earth, and all its splendor, its beauty, and its riches, and its creation, and offer it for the price of your soul 
You are worth more than the whole world. You're worth more to God this morning. And he loves you more this morning. And your soul is more precious to him this morning. Because the whole world couldn't even afford you. Yet you're able to feel like a grasshopper in your mind. A small contemptible creature. And so you don't enter into conversation. And so you don't feel worthy to talk to others. And some may come in with their nice suits on. Or some may come in with their nice coats on. Well, not this weather today anyhow. But some may come in with their nice garments on. And and may have plenty of money and big mansions to live in. And driveways that you'd be out of puff by the time you get to the top of them. And that's okay. But some might come in like that. And you might feel, I'm insignificant to even talk to people like that. Get that out of your mind. The Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. And Christ died for you. You are as significant, you are as important, you are as worthy as that man or woman also for whom Christ died. You are. Never start to feel like a grasshopper, small and insignificant in your own mind, for then you start to think like this. You start thinking, they're thinking of me like that. They're thinking of me like that now. For we were grasshoppers in their sight. I would say here that there's a good possibility that they didn't even see these Israelites. For surely they would have seen them as spies and killed them. But once the battle is lost in your mind and in your heart, you start to feel that insignificance. Understand how precious you are to the Lord. Understand that he gave his son for you. Understand no matter how you feel, what you think, it's nothing to do with you. How you feel or how you think, it's all to do with him. And his great love for you. What was the hymn we sang there? Could we think the ocean fell and were the skies of parchment made? Where every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Let me look at the evil, we've looked at the evil report, now let me look at the exaggerated response. At the exaggerated response in verse four, chapter 14. Notice the exaggerated response from the Israelites now. Now they're at a crossroads, remember that? They can now step out in faith. And enter into the full blessing. Enter into the real promise. Enter into what 40 years of traveling has done. Enter into it. You can enter into it this morning, into the spiritual realm, trusting God that you may be at a crossroads. What do I do from here on in? The Lord says, it's time to claim your inheritance, son, daughter, and to move into the promises I have for you. And the, all the congregation, notice all the congregation, 
lifted up their voice and cried and wept that night. Notice the disappointment in these people because they didn't trust in their God. And all the children of Israel mourned against, murmured rather, against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Why did God save me? One brother, think about this. Sister, ask yourself, why did God save me? Why are you saved? Why did you save me, Lord? Did he save you for you to go tick-tock like a wound-up clock? Did he save you that you would just tread water and hope for the best? Remember an old preacher called Gordon McGee? He's talking about the man who slew a land in the pit in a snowy day. And he says, you know, when the Lord saves you, he just doesn't say, off you go and all, all the best. He says, he remembers going down an alleyway when living as a young boy in Belfast and his father sat him on a bicycle. And he's learning to ride a bike and he says, and so he's bringing along, he says, you ready to go? He says, and the father just pushed him. And he says, off you go. He says, and I was off. He says, I bounced and ricocheted down every wall, skinning myself the whole way up the alleyway. He says, now God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. When you're saved, God enters in to you. God is even at your elbow. God is before you. He's behind you. He's beside you. He's within you. He's for you. He's not against you. And the thing is, when you're saved, why did he save you? To say off you go and see you bounce and ricochet off every wall and avenue the whole way down there. Do you come off and hurt yourself? To see you fall and tumble and say see how bad a person you really are. God saved you for this. That you would have fellowship with him. And through that fellowship you would have your claim, your inheritance in him. And through the power of his spirit you would have that kingdom authority that people would see it in you. You ride the bike and you keep on going and you can teach others. Why did God save you? Notice what it says. Oh, why did God bring us out of Egypt? We could have died there. Why, Lord, why did you save me? Why not let me land the drunk, the, 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 the drink house and the drug house? Why not let me land the road? Why not let me, let me lie in my vomit? Why not let me land all the sin and depravity that I've done? And the Lord says, I didn't let you, son, daughter, because I love you. I love you. Because he loves you. And he loves you that much. You are worth that much. He gave his son. He gave his spirit. And he's taken you to the kingdom of God. He is there already. And he's saying, just follow me. Just follow me. For cattle are driven, but sheep. Sheep are led. Oh, that you let us die in the world. If you'd have died in your Egypt... If you'd have died in the world, you'd have went to hell. There's the bad word. But it's true. If you die outside of Christ, you'll go to hell. Notice this. And I'm closing. Would God that we'd have died in Egypt? Or would God we'd have died in this wilderness? Lord, why do you just not let me die now? Well, because life's hard. 
Life's hard. Struggle sometimes, Lord. Here's the thing, you and I, especially if you're me, also says I do everything the hard way. I go around the mountain a few times before I learn. And then when I learn, off I go and there's no stopping me. And I'm a bit spiritually thick at times. It's a good job that the word of the Lord is like a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces or you never get into me. That's the truth. The idea is that Israel always had this blessing two weeks across the desert. It's always there. It was always theirs. But they wouldn't learn to go and take it. They wouldn't learn to go and trust God. They decided instead, would rather walk around the desert for 40 years and those that came out, all but two, and dropped off and were buried in the sand. And their children inherited. It's time for you and I to move into what God has given us. You may feel small, but small things in the hands of a big God brings victory. Small things in the hands of a big God brings health and healing and wholeness and wellness and happiness. Small things in the hands of a big God brings men and women who are destitute within themselves, brings them to glory. Stop there this morning. And next week, in the Lord's will, I'm just going to do a different one next week, will I? Do a different one next week. And to be honest, I thought I had a different one for this morning and I got that. I thought those three wee points, we'll see where God brings us with them. If the Lord wills, we'll bring part six next week. The thing is, you can read, you can listen to them all individually anyhow because they're all different messages, but they're just linked with the same idea. Praise his holy name. God bless us. We're going to go home. Your attention's tremendous. Either that or the heat's knocked you out. One of the two.